Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Mark Stooley and welcome to Cinemates, a podcast where a bunch of mates chat about cinema over some drinks. In this episode, I'm joined by Austin Rule and Jack Rector. Austin spent many sleepless nights preparing for the podcast while Jack learnt a few things from the movie that we discuss. Together with Austin and Jack, we talk about an absolute classic of a film, Forrest Gump, directed by Robert Zemeckis and starring Tom Hanks, Robin Wright and Gary Sinise. While drinking some Asahi lagers and Dr. Peppers, we cover the scenes that make it so iconic, our Aussie runner Ned Brockman is channeling his inner Forrest Gump and the surprising controversy around the film. As always, make sure you're following Cinemates wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star review to support us. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Cinemates. we got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Open the pod bay doors now. You shall not Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. I am nothing. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Get busy, Larry. Get busy, Ty. Austin and Jack, welcome to the podcast. How's everyone going? Yeah, good, Mike. Uh, thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, very good. Thank you. No worries. Very keen for this one. So if you're listening to this at home and want to see these two handsome gentlemen and what they actually look like, then be sure to check out our Instagram and TikTok at Cinemates underscore for a few highlighted clips afterwards. But getting into it, boys, so first time on the podcast, you have to be run through what's called the Cinemates Gauntlet, five questions about cinema to see who our guests are and what they like to watch. So first question, most memorable movie that you've seen in cinemas? Do you want to lead it off, Jack? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Austin, (laughs) thanks for having us, Michael. It's been a... A long time coming. Um, uh, I guess for myself, uh, the most memorable movie I have seen in cinemas as of late, I would say probably being uh, Dark Knight Rises. So just a, a pure classic Christian Bale and Christopher Nolan combination. Yep. Uh, action-packed as a kid. 2012 it came out, I think. Um, so, right yeah, then. it would have been a you know, young teenager and, you know, what, what more could you ask for? Mm. A lot of uh, hype between The Dark Knight as well, yeah. capping off the trilogy. Yeah, big, definitely. And big release. Heath Ledger, you know, the passing of him in prior years, it was uh, it was pretty big. But yeah, great movie. Good answer. Austin? 
Yeah, nice um, nice choice there, Jack. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit uh, further afield, I think, and I'm going to go with Transformers. Okay. The original 2007. Yep. Um, Why have you gone that? <laughs> I think for me uh, it was like one of the first movies that I can remember where uh, I was at the cinemas and the like the cinematography was so in your face and it was like sort of one of the first movies I saw where I was like, wow. Um, and, I mean, Megan Fox, uh, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Great cast. Yeah. Uh, that was like sort of like what more can you get? Um, and who doesn't like Megatron versus Optimus Prime? Oh, mate, so good. I think um, 2007 as well, pretty good visual effects. Probably one of the earlier, you know, ones where you're really believing those kind of robotics and things. So definitely a memorable one. How about um, just quickly on that? Soundtrack in particular, Lincoln Park. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> an oldie yeah, but a goodie. Good take. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Great right. take. And Bumblebee too. Oh, Be remiss of me not to talk about Bumblebee. Yeah, can't forget That's that nice. guy. Uh, next question. Fastest TV show binge. Bunge, you want to take it off? <laughs> Mate, happy to. Um, not really a binger. Uh, no. I just find myself I can't uh, get stuck into it. But I think recently it was Winning Time. Okay. Um, about the Showtime Lakers. Uh, and the story about uh, Jerry Bass taking over a pretty um, pretty hairy Lakers situation and mm. drafting Magic Johnson and sort of the rest is his history. Yeah, really nice good one. watch. Nice. Good answer. Jack? Uh, yeah, really nice. Now, um, I'm aware this could come with a bit of controversy, this answer, but <laughs> without a doubt, uh, it would be Friends, you know, the greatest sitcom of all time, in my own opinion. Huge. Uh, yeah, you know, six key characters, everyone's got their favourite. They're each, you know, relating to different personalities, different types of people, and uh, for myself, very relatable and also uh, very bingeable. So that was something I've done. Did you watch The Reunion? Uh no, I didn't actually. <laughs> so are you a true fan? <laughs> true fan. <or>? <laughs> <laughs> You've been outed on the podcast. But <laughs> in terms of reunions, I feel like they they kind of get overdone, in particular something, you know, like Breaking Bad was good and then they had that extra episode of Breaking Bad. Mm. I don't yeah. know if you remember it. And it yep. was just kind of like a wrap it up. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't want to tarnish what was Friends once upon a time and, you know, the quality of Friends by watching and, uh, you know, having that. Picture of it just being ruined for Fair me enough. personally. Yeah. Fair enough. Good, uh, good rebuttal there. Next question: Favorite Australian movie? Uh, I'll go again here. Um, mine's Chopper. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was reflecting and I was sort of looking at some of the movies that have gone by, and yep. um, obviously classics like Australia. Mm. I wanted to lob Great Gatsby in there. Okay. Um, wow. But I, uh, yeah, I just think Eric Banner absolutely nailed it. Mm. He's sort of like coming out um, for Hollywood. For sure. Really good movie. Nice one. Jack? Um, yeah, kind of, I guess, a different <clears throat> end of the spectrum. Um, Lion or Leon, it was something that I don't know if either of you have watched, but um, you know, a young boy, he was from India, he was taken away from his family and he, main character Saru, ended up in Australia with a family and grew up and then with technology was able to kind of go back to India and, and track his family down. And it was a, a great Australian film in my opinion. And having travelled and been to India myself, it was uh, something I could relate to okay. quite in depth. And, and yeah, definitely probably highlights my Australian films. Yeah, nice one. I shamefully haven't seen Lion. It's always been on my list. Mm. But maybe must do, definitely. in saying that, yeah, I'll give it a watch. Next question, a movie that you think everyone needs to see. One that's had a couple uh, couple highlights on the on the cinema's um 
social media accounts and has been touched on is Scent of a Woman. So okay. Al, Pacino, nice. Al Pacino classic. I yep. think um, for those who who haven't seen it, a quick a quick background, he plays uh, a kind of a, a blind army retiree and he's going through this, you know, crisis post-war and, and he is old and, and blind and frail and he's ready kind of to end his life and commit suicide and he crosses paths with this young uh, high school volunteer and, there's quite a significant character development between the two and a relationship mm. that builds and and it's a, a really good movie to see actually and um you know one of the greatest final <laughs> scenes in the in the courtroom when Al Pacino storms in and has his speech definitely worth watching absolutely have you seen Son of a Woman Austin I'm getting out of here as well <laughs> uh, but from the synopsis unsurprised yeah. that you like the movie Jack no it's very good um, I think yeah Al Pacino actually won an award for it. Yeah, he did. Academy Award, that is. Um, So definitely one to watch. Austin, what's your... Uh, For me, it's Intouchables. Mm. Um, Subtitle Mm. movie, which some people (laughs) might uh, uh, grimace at. But yeah, no, honestly, a uh, a heart jerker, tear jerker um, story about a very wealthy uh, French man who um, uh, has an accident while he's paragliding, becomes a quadriplegic um, and needs assistance. And enter Driss, who's played by Omar Sy. Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty well-known actor, yeah. Um, with who has no original ten- intention to sort of uh, be a formidable character, in, yeah, yeah. In Philip's life, um, but anyway, it just sort of has an amazing soundtrack, and the ending is just uh, tear central. Definitely oh, one to watch. Hundred percent in touch with us if you haven't seen it. Definitely one to watch on a Sunday after a few beers. <laughs> 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 Next question: TV show that you're watching at the moment. Yeah, I think um, there's one in particular, obviously, um, not having too much time to watch TV shows. It is, for me, House of Dragon, House of the Dragon. Yep. Um, uh, it's the <laughs> the follow-on from Game of Thrones, but it's obviously before, in the terms of timeframes, before Game of Thrones existed. Yep. Um, two episodes in, it's a it's a pretty good watch. I'm, mm. I'm enjoying it, whether, you know, you have to get used to the new characters and, you know, the yeah. relations to... To existing characters, but um, but yeah, a really uh, a really exciting show, and I just heard they've gone season two announced already, yeah, project, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, for me, I'm not up to it, uh, but mine's Game of Thrones. Okay, so it'll come down the line. I uh, originally, when it came out, was pretty reluctant to start watching, so now I'm doing a catch up. Season two, episode nice five. one. Liking it, loving it. Nice, so good. It is really yeah. good. It's taken me a while, and it gets better as it goes. Um. But just quickly on House of Dragon, I didn't know this, but the main actress is Australian. Wow. Yeah. Um, Who plays Rhaenerys, I think. Yes, blonde hair. Yeah. Wow, um, Australian. Which is awesome. Not surprising. But... She's a good, good sort, <laughs> as all Australians are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice if plus. you want to say that. <laughs> now, getting into Forrest Gump, to the listeners out there who haven't seen the movie yet, Boys, what would you say about it in one word and what would you rate it out of five stars? Four and a half yep. and authentic. Okay, nice. Nice. Jack? Um, I'm going to probably echo that and say four and a half as well. It's a pretty decent score in my books. Um, and then, yeah, my one word probably would be affection, I think. Okay. Kind of highlights it for me. Why Why have you said affection there? Well, there's a lot of... um a lot of elements that play into it. But I think obviously the main character, Forrest Gump, he kind of lives by just this life of, of affection and, and, you know, 
care and, you know, compassion for different people and everyone that kind of comes into his life and it's kind of shaped the way, you know, his path in life and it really, you know, formulated who he was and the storyline. Yeah, nice one. Good words there, boys. My one word is going to be equilibrium. Mm. Now, you might be thinking, why the hell have you chosen that, Michael? I've chosen that because this movie has everything. Comedy, drama, romance, a bit of history in it as well. Lots of history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, look, it has everything. Therefore, I said equilibrium. <laughs> Give it a watch. My rating was going to be four and a half stars as well. Um, unanimous across the board. Yeah. It's very rewatchable and it's an absolute classic. And just before we dive into, you know, our takes on it, I don't know if you guys remember this show on Channel 9, 20 to 1. And they, they would do like a countdown of a certain category. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Bert, he recently passed away. Yeah. Oh, he was uh, the host. Yeah. Um, anyway, I weirdly remember being in like high school or younger and it was a 20 to 1 episode of most famous like movie quotes. And number one was Forrest Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And I was like, oh, dad, like what's this movie? And then he <laughs> sat down and made me watch it and I was like, oh, my God. So I just wanted to share that. Wow, good memory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but getting into it, I think it would be a good place to start. Early in the film, he's got some braces on his legs because his spine is crooked. And we get a pretty emotional scene, Run, Forest, Run. What do you guys think of that? Um, yeah, I'll I'll take <laughs> it away. Um, I was I, I was rewatching the movie during the week um, mm. just to sort of refresh, and I didn't I hadn't remembered how early that came on. Yeah, and you know we sort of get um, the overview of of Ginny Ginny's life and and how um, their relationships formed, and work out what who Forrest is, and I just think that running scene was sort of like the first scene of like where Forrest could do more mm. than anyone else thought um, and in outrunning the bullies. Yeah. Um, and I say, and we'll, we'll touch on it later, but I, yeah, I th- think it was obviously a very formidable scene. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it gets, it sets a good tone, I think, personally for, you know, early in the movie he there's that scene where his foot is caught in the grate and he's, you know, struggling to get it out as his mum helps him and then mm. wearing the braces it could kind of represent, you know, restrictions on, on life as it's, you know, physically restricting his movement and then, that scene, he you know he breaks free from the braces, and it could just be you know breaking free of all all, all stress and all, all you know outside pressure that really defines his life and defines mm. what he does, and and that kind of shows in the rest of the movie. You know he's f- completely free. He just you know we'll find out later on. He you know floats with the wind wherever it gets taken, and and yeah, I think that's a great um a great scene that represents kind of the overall picture of the movie. Hundred percent, and I think um, at the same time. You know, it's a very famous quote, run for us to run. But at the same time, we kind of start to get little bits of bits and pieces of the score of the movie, mm. which I think is one of the better scores in film history. And for me, it kind of the scene then evolves to Forrest chasing being chased by the bullies again, but older and in a car this time. Mm. And he runs onto the football field and starts to play football. What do you guys think of that scene? Yeah, oh, I'll touch on that firstly. Um, I think that was kind of the start of this this life of uncertainty for Forrest. Like he kind mm. of just 
went where he was taken and then it presented these opportunities and he was mm. so open to, to kind of running with it, pardon the pun, and, and that's what it <laughs> – that just came naturally. And it, um, that, it just opened up all these doors and it was, it was pretty cool to see. And obviously there's so many elements which, which come into it, but I mm. think that was a great thing. It just really – that was the first step which led to you know, the first development in his character and, and, and what eventuated. 100%. I think um, for me, I don't know why, but um, the kind of coach of the football team gets told that it's just some local idiot – and then he signs him on the college team or whatever. And we get this scene which I always like kind of either tear up to or get like chills where he's in the <laughs> college football game and the quarterback receives it and just runs over and hands it to Forrest. And he's like, run! And he just runs through the entire team, yeah, scores the touchdown but keeps on running. Um, and that scene for me just, I don't know, I don't know why, but it just always gets me. Um, and I think similar to what you guys have already started to alluded to, he's got these restrictions placed on him and these like preconceived ideas of who he is, but he just goes with it and he takes every challenge with his stride um, as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, it's, it's like the first um, scene we get um, – where Forrest is sort of in a situation where he like he's sort of just fallen into. It's yeah. it's not like he. I mean, I'm going probably too deep here, but he's not. He hasn't done tryouts or anything. They've sort of just seen him run through the field, and mm. you know, I think it's a theme throughout the movie that he finds himself in these situations where he might not have actually wanted to be, but then he becomes a star in those scenes. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I think you know we'll talk about it in a bit, but yeah, you've got the when he wins the medal um, after Vietnam and. Um, so it's just some of these things you're just like, how is he even there? How is he there and how has he become like the best mm. by just doing yeah. what he like Be thought himself. was the right? Yeah, be himself. Yeah. That's it. Um, no, 100%. I think as well just on that and on the topic of like getting chills and stuff, this movie in general, mm. how many times do you get chills throughout it? <laughs> yeah, a couple for myself being, you know, Relatively in touch with my emotions, you know. A couple tear jerkers, definitely. Yeah. Um, a couple chills, and just going, yeah, wow, that's um not only relatable, but it's like, yeah, I, I'm I'm really relating to the movie and mm. and, and understanding what, what the point is. Hundred percent. Um. So then the story kind of evolves to him getting conscripted to Vietnam, or not conscripted, but signing up. Signing up. Um. And we get introduced to Lieutenant Dan Taylor who's a pretty big character in the movie. What did we think of Lieutenant Dan? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was a couple of key characters we got introduced to, but we can um, touch on Lieutenant Dan definitely at the start. Um, I think we can all, this will be a big talking topic, um, the character development of Lieutenant Dan throughout the movie. He obviously yeah. starts as this, you know, classic American um, in the army, very, you know, <laughs> you know, sticking to a schedule, he has these rules and has these views and, you know, it's a classic American and, you know, he meets Bubba at the time and um, Forrest and he makes these assumptions, as you can tell at the start, about the people they are and, and what they do and um, it's really cool to see him grow as the movie comes on and mm. as mm. I think from what I noticed, the more time he spent with Forrest and he understood Forrest as a person rather than just kind of a, what he looked like and how he spoke and mm. so I think that was a big thing for me. 100%. Um just before I go into some character development, <laughs> how did they hide his legs, man? 
I don't know. Hey. This is 1990s and yeah. his legs aren't there. I did think about that. Yeah. Did you think his legs were like tucked underneath? But they picked him up. Yeah. I, don't, I actually do not know how they did yeah. it. Yeah. Well, both of you have been to Europe. Have you been and seen those, um, those like beggars on the street who supposedly uh, have no legs? Yeah. And then yeah. you give them money or whatever it is and you donate to them or however you put it. And then I had a ex- funny experience. I was in Italy and my family had put money in the little basket in front of this lady who had no legs. And then we came back five minutes later and she was walking around on a mobile phone. No way. <laughs> and we thought, what, what's going on here? And so obviously there's a way and they've got all the resources they need for an incredible movie. This lady was able to do it on the side of the street, so I'm sure there's some ability to tuck and, and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, need, need to do some further uh, some research. research. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, the movie actually won the Academy Award. It won six Academy Awards. One of them was visual effects. Yeah. So um, maybe. maybe that came into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, we got um, to kind of jump into it as well. We got, um, you know, certain footage of different presidents and things of like famous historical figures that were also kind of CGI as well. So... They probably did just like put green screens on his legs or something. But I, I don't know. I was thinking like, is he actually an amputee or? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, dive into your character's My analysis. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, you know, uh, Lieutenant Dan, as Rector said, is like a bit of a formidable character, although he's like, he's, he's attuned to his situation in Vietnam. He's quite, he's relaxed and he understands mm. um, what, what's at play. But, you know, when I think when Forrest takes him out, when he runs back and takes him out, you know, we have this whole bust up of like, leave me there because he's obviously like a very courageous, um, um, courageous man and he, and he wants to die on the battlefield with his mates or with, mm. with his. Because um, his family's all died. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the whole the whole 360 of him, um, you know, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but at the end, you know, and he says thank you mm. for saving me to Forrest, I think is a really, really pertinent um, uh, scene in the movie and, and it sort of brings his character a full circle. 100%. Thank, thanks to Forrest. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we get the scene kind of just after and, and, and Bubba passes away. Um, it's obviously quite sad, but we then go to the hospital mm. and Lieutenant Dan is in the bed next to Forrest. He's very annoyed that he was saved and he had this destiny and there's a scene where he like grabs Forrest, pulls him to the ground and he's like yelling at him saying like, oh, I had a destiny and um, he's like crying and um, he's like so hell-bent on... So rattled. And yeah, yeah. rattled and that he should have died because all of his descendants have died in major American battles. Mm. Um, but then, as you said later, which we'll dive into more, um, he thanks Forrest. So I think... The character to, to be introduced to Lieutenant Dan, I remember kind of thinking, "Oh, who's this like sort of hard nosed soldier guy?" Um, but he's much more, and we definitely see that later. Yeah. Um, equally, at the same time, we start to see Jenny's downward spiral. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, she's um, you know doing a bit of uh, show dancing, we'll call it, um, and other things. So, what do we think of Jenny kind of at this sort of stage in the movie? Yeah, I, I mean, for <laughs> uh, for me, Jenny, 
she <laughs> she she's had a like a really hard upbringing. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's pretty clear when um, Forrest and Ginny run out into the cornfields. Mm. You know, the situation at hand there. So coming from a broken um, broken background, you know, it's it's not it's not too far afield for her to be going down potentially that um, down that line. But yep. it sort of also is the first time where Forrest is in a position where he is trying to reestablish and reconnect with Ginny and, and mm. um, you know, we get that scene where he comes into the show and it's yeah. pretty it's pretty on. Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about the one where she's playing the guitar and he kind of steps in? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, um, yeah, we do kind of see Forrest starting to kind of want to protect her and, um, you know, as you said, kind of step in. But I think the... We also get introduced at the same time her kind of pushing him away. Yes. Definitely. Um, definitely. Um, I have a good yeah. comment on that. Um, sorry to interrupt, Michael, but something, no, that, good. <laughs> something that resonates with me is um, a quote that Jenny said to Forrest early on in the movie and it was, that was, don't try be brave, just run away. And so mm. I think oh. Jenny's kind of life and her journey through life is almost reflected through this comment. She's you know, going through these different stages of life and she's, you know, Forrest is always presenting himself and she's just, you know, denying him and moving on with her life or trying something new and, and it's forming this downward cycle. So I think she's, you know, fighting her own, you know, emotions and her own personalities to just run away from all the problems and try mm. and, you know, absorb the problems through, as we saw, you know, drugs and alcohol and whatever it was. And I think that's a big point because she's, you know, given this advice to to Forrest, which ultimately shaped his life, the whole idea of running away and and it formulated that whole idea of running. But mm. if she's living her life by that same motto, she's, you know, pushing people away as we saw with Forrest and she's just constantly, you know, running away from anything in her life and just constantly changing her life to, to formulate what ended up being a really downward cycle. 100%. And I think just hearing you say that, the opposite is Lieutenant Dan who's like, no, stay and cop whatever's coming. Yeah. So it's like you get these two different sides on either side of Forrest and he's in the middle. So juxtaposition, yeah. Yeah, that that's so interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So great take there. Um I think that another key character uh who shapes Forrest's life is his mum, played by Sally Field. Mm. And you know, she's the one who's kind of always giving him all this advice and um I think for me, kind of when whenever there was anything like sort of bad happening to him, like whether he's being called stupid or, um, you know, those sorts of things from like the community, she always had an explanation for it. And it was just like so heartwarming to watch. What do you guys think of Mrs. Gump as a character? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think, you know, she instilled in Forrest that sort of inspirational tone from a parent's perspective of you can do whatever you set out to do mm. and whatever you want to want to achieve, you can do, even though he might've been hindered um, earlier on um, yep. and, and, and things like that. But I think um, she taught him, you know, about love and respect first and foremost, and gives him, um, as we said, the most famous line, we're getting the Dr. Peppers out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, life is like a box of chocolates, as we said in the, in the intro, um, but you, you never know which one you're going to get. And I suppose, for Forrest, um, he develops that compassion um, from his mum and 
just affection, you could even say affection, authenticity. <laughs> um, and yeah, she's she's just a really powerful um, character film. And I think another uh, another one I just want to drop in there is yeah. you know she says um, what's normal anyway to Forrest. And I think from a yeah. coming from a parent's perspective, that instills in you that that confidence um, that you can do whatever you whatever you want to do. And I think that's certainly true for Forrest. Hundred percent. And I think on that point, it might be worth kind of bringing up as well that she did a lot for him. And one of the key things that she did was uh, he had an IQ of, I think, 70 and the state average to get into public school was, uh, I think, 80 or 90. So he was just below and she was talking to the principal of the local school um, and he starts to ask her if there's a Mr. Gump. and she ended up sleeping with the principal <laughs> and we get this hilarious scene, which I think is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. And we hear the principal grunting during their uh, activities and he comes back down all sweaty and stuff. <laughs> and He's like to Forrest, he's like, boy, your mom like sure wants you to go to school or something. And <laughs> Forrest's response is just, uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah, or you don't talk much. Probably time for a Dr. Pepper on that note. <laughs> 15 and then. Cheers, boys. Cheers, cheers. Thank you. Here's the forest. Here's 15. The forest. Mm. Um, nice. While we're there, I'll just quickly touch on it. Um, forest Mum, a point which is pretty cool when I'm reflecting on the movie. There's so many little things which I think relate and, and are all um, connected. That, you know, minor storyline of how. Um, Forest's mum owns that big house and they, you know, throughout the whole movie they've always got people staying. They could be randoms, mm. they could be this, they could be that, and they're always coming through the house and staying. And I think that kind of reflects um, the the mum's attitude of just being, you know, <clears throat> free-willed, letting anything come and anything go and just being, you know, happy for for anything to happen. And that's a really good representation of, you know, her mum passing on lessons to Forrest because Forrest obviously is, you know, accepting of everyone as we see, Baba, whoever it was. and. Yep. And I think that's a really big point to talk to because, you know, there's always people in his ha- in her house rather and, and that's just, you know, built throughout the whole movie and we see that continually as we go. And I think on that point as well, the overarching um, scene from the movie is when he's sitting obviously on the park bench and he's letting these randoms into his life by telling mm. them his whole story. Yeah. And he's just opening up without any any qualms. So probably yeah. similar. Just very open and... Um as you said, free-willed and accepting <coughs> of whoever. Um, and I think, like, y- you think about it, he, one of his best mates is his captain from the war. Like anyone else would probably maybe, I don't know, I I, I haven't ever been in the, the army or anything, but you, you might want to disassociate with such an experience. Whereas he just takes on whoever, speaks yeah. to strangers at a park bench and ends up kind of, you know, having them captivated in his story. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that what the mum did for Forrest and what she instilled is really important. And we also get some of those historic events through that. Like Elvis was at the house and Forrest shows him the moves that like become Elvis. His trademarks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, quickly, yeah. do we want to... I'm not sure if it was a thing. I just noticed that the transition um, and growth of the people that ended up sitting next to Forrest on the bench, like originally we had um, that lady who, I don't know, she was a nurse or something and yeah. she was just 
not interested. It was really one of the first scenes in the movie and she was couldn't get off the bench faster. And then yeah. it, it transitions through to that um, elderly lady who said, um, I don't know what the quote was, but it was like, oh, there'll be another bus later on. Yeah. And she was willing to miss the bus to stay and listen to the story. And I think yeah. that's a... I don't know what the meaning behind that would be, but it's cool to see that that, that development and that growth of the people sitting with him and mm. you know, the willingness to listen to him. 100%. Mm. I think we did also get um, the guy who kind of took the piss out of mm. Forrest after he's told the Bubblegum Shrimp Corporation story. He's like, and I was kind of laughing at this because it's a pretty funny scene, but um, he's like, we were sitting next to a millionaire. <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's like laughing and running away. Um, but... The other people on the park bench are still invested and I think um, it just goes to show how kind of wholesome and open Forrest is. Um, Just quickly as well on the mum, I thought that she was very sure of herself. Mm. She always had an answer for everything and when um, Forrest and Lieutenant Dan are, you know, doing really well with their shrimp boating and um, they end up building the Bubba Cump Abagam Shrimp Corporation, he hears that she's sick and he dives off the boat, swims back, swimming, run, runs back home, gets home and um, she's just like, I'm dying for us, like straight to his face. Yeah. And she knows and she says that, you know, death is just like a part of life and she has all these like really hard things to say but she says them so casually and so assured of herself and... Um, she's like, I will miss you, even though they're both still alive. They're talking to each other, mother mm. to son. Mm. And I just thought moments like that were so powerful. Like that scene in particular, you know, we're getting the score as well. Um, that was a bit of a tearjerker for me. Mm, definitely. Um, so I think, yeah, she was a great character and Sally Field played her really well. Yeah. Um, at this point in the movie as well, Jenny hasn't been around for a while. She's been very occupied with her kind of hippie sort of stuff. What do you guys think when she finally returned back? Forrest is like mowing the lawn. He's like a billionaire now. He's just chilling. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a couple of thoughts, Michael okay. and Austin. Um, firstly, I think there was, you know, a couple moments within the movie with different characters and there were moments of realisation. Mm. And we had that scene just prior to her return where she was, uh, you know, she'd been at a party and it was the after party and she had a, you know, a bruise on her face and she was, there was drugs and stuff around, but mm. she went and stood on the balcony and she was, it was as if she was contemplating suicide and, yep. you know, she eventually talked herself out of it and came down. And then, then I think the following scene or, you know, a few scenes away, we saw a return to forest. And I think that could have been a massive, you know, moment of realization for whatever reason it was. Mm. And something which I picked up and forest, you know, always talked about, Jenny being with her, being with him rather, um, yep. wherever he goes. And he's always having visions and he always he's always narrating saying, you know, I'm thinking of Jenny or I'm writing letters to Jenny and this, that. And when he's having visions of her, she's wearing these, you know, nice big white dresses and, and it's as if she's, you know, really angelic and it's just coming across as she's this like, you know, higher figure and it's from Forrest's perspective, which is cool to see. And then she obviously returns and they spend that night together or they spend a bit of time together and, and what happens happens. But she's quite a, a transformed woman and then I really don't know the rationale behind why she left that second time mm. um, to go off and do her own thing. But maybe you guys could touch on that, your thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. I think the scene, I completely agree. And I think the scenes where she comes back to Forest House 
and he kind she's kind of like going to bed and he says like will you marry me like very casually yeah and then she just kind of turns around and just like looks very like digested and she's just kind of like you don't want to marry me like and i think that kind of speaks to her always running away and she's obviously you know been down this pretty dark path and had a lot that's happened to her um and he's like like you know like why don't you love me like mm. and all this stuff mm. and he she later comes into his room they make love and then the next morning she just leaves she just leaves with in a taxi which she had to call up get to come there like why why did she always leave him i guess yeah. it's part of the running away but yeah Happens i don't the know best of us mate i what do you think yeah i um yeah, it goes back to that running away thing. Just, you know, don't be brave, run away. Mm. And, you know, I sort of was thinking to myself, what would have happened if Ginny and uh, Forrest Gump had have stayed together the whole movie? Like, does he go to Vietnam? True. Um, Probably not. Does he start the shrimping company, which, as we know, is now a trademark? Um, <laughs> so the movie, obviously, had she have been – a present the whole whole time might have been a completely would have been a completely different story, mm. but for her to leave the night after they yeah as you say make love is is sort of just you're just questioning why, um, and I think as we go through and then we go get to the scene where he, they in the end he finds out that um, there's a baby forest. Mm. I was just I was just sitting there going why has it taken this long for for Ginny to tell Forrest. Mm. Like, I don't think that's fair. Well, because how old's Forrest? Like, four or five now? Four or five? Yeah, at, yeah, most, at least. Yeah. And she's also sick yeah. with AIDS. Um, So I think, yeah, I don't know why it took her that long. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was, for me, one of the, you know, a touching scene. I... Having having to remind myself of the movie, I completely didn't... Obviously, I picked it up pretty quickly that it was going to be his son, but... What clicked for me at the start was when the kid asked to go watch TV and you see him run away and it was like the running technique. He's a good runner. Even in that short space of time, I was like, wow, this kid's got some uh, some running jeans behind him. And yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. that's got to be. And then they had that whole scene where she named him Forrest and Forrest Gump being Forrest Gump said, oh, there's another guy called Forrest or he's mm. called Forrest. And then she said, yeah, he's named after his dad. And I was like, oh, God, that's – um." quite emotional and there was that connection and Forrest was really taken back by it and, you know, he started crying and then they obviously shared a moment together. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty cruel um, in terms of not, you know, filling him in and not you know, giving him the time to spend with the kid. I mean, obviously they ended up living together but yeah. prior to that. Oh, I completely agree. I think for me this is one of my favourite scenes. It, it is quite emotional and it took her so many years to finally tell him. Keep in mind he's also <clears> been <throat> in a bus stop for like – Half a day probably just didn't know where <laughs> days, to go. Days. Six blocks down the road, but he was just sitting there waiting for the bus. Um, but yeah, she finally tells him, and she's like, "You're his dad." And we get that awesome scene. Tom Hanks is so good in it, just like tearing up. He's like shocked. Um, and but and what about how he says, um, "Is he like me?" Oh yeah, yeah. That's is he smart him. or is he? Like and he's yeah. And I, that was, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like sort of the first time that Forrest acknowledges like 
his his situation, mm. um, and he he wants for his son potentially a better life than he had. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know that quote. Just like he teared up, and then you know, um, Ginny was like, "No, he's top of his class. Like mm. he's doing really well." And, mm. and, then, and then there was a score that came through, and it was just like, "Ah, I'm <laughs> just, going here. Just have my tears, man." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was I completely agree. I think um, it is interesting that he kind of acknowledges it. Yeah. And he hopes that it's not the case, yeah. even though Forrest has had this like am- amazing, amazing life. life, you would say. Yeah. Um, but what I think is very interesting about not only has she not told him for ages, but she- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. She's very casual about it. Mm. She's telling Forrest for the first time that this is their child. Oh, yeah. And she's like, you're his dad. And no, he's at the top of his class. Like, oh, yeah, you can go watch TV with him. No apology. Yeah. No. Not that she has to apologize, but yeah. no like explanation. explanation. Yeah. He doesn't even ask questions, to be fair, just because of how kind of who he is. Yeah. But it's weird that she doesn't kind of say, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you earlier. Yeah. Five years ago, like, yeah, that's what I kind of picked up rewatching it. I I just feel like Forrest, you know, had that endless love for Ginny, and mm. in his eyes, Ginny could do no wrong. Yeah. So for him, he probably just didn't even think he looked about past it. it. He looked yeah. past it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I think um in the process of from when obviously she left to when he reconnected with her and she had the child, he went through that whole um that whole period of the running, which we'll touch on shortly, I'm sure. Um, and then something that is, you know, strange, obviously he, Forrest is a gazillionaire. He said mm. that in the movie and he, he's got all this money, he's got this house and he's got this magnificent life, which he would throw it all away for Jenny. Yeah. He, and Jenny obviously is, we see a scene where she's working in a cafe or something and she watches Forrest on the TV. 
if she's got a newborn child and she's not that well off, you think she might, you know, go back to or try and reconnect with Forrest to you know, mm. help her life. But she's when we see her again when they are reconnected, she's clean, she looks healthy despite mm. the virus and she's, you know, this rejuvenated Jenny and she's got this new life and she's not dependent on Forrest, not that she ever was, but she's happy to, you know, bring him up on his own and then introduce him in a later period. So Yeah, I agree. I think, um, yeah, it's good that it doesn't come down to that. Yeah. Maybe it was her kind of – actually, that's a good point. Maybe she thought yeah. not to introduce because it might – appear that she's just going because of his success and things. So after Jenny has, you know, made love with him and left before they end up having the child later, um, Forrest's reaction to her leaving is just to start running. Hmm. This is one of the most famous parts of the movie. Gets up, starts running, runs to the end of the county, Thinks, nah, I'm going to keep going. Starts running to the end of the state of Alabama. And originally when I watched this, I was like, like, what's he going to do now that Jenny's gone? Like he's just on his own. Like what could happen for the rest of the movie? And when I started to see Forrest running, I was just like blown away. What do you guys think of the whole running across America montage? Uh, well, I start. There's so much that goes into it. I think um, it kind of just speaks to the person that you know Forrest is. That you know there was at the start of it, he was like, "Oh, I, I got to the edge of uh, of of Alabama, and I just thought I keep running. And I got mm. to one ocean, and I just said, oh, 'I'll turn around and keep running.' And that was kind of just his motto. He would run, and you know there was nothing that could kind of you know change his thoughts or, or change what he was doing. And it was whether that was um, in a way his way of dealing with what might have been considered a breakup. As mm. such, you know, the first time he's properly made love to her, we can allude to what happened the first time he had an interaction <laughs> with, with Jenny. Um, yep. But, yeah, the, fir- the first time he's properly made love to her and then she disappears out of sight, no note, no nothing, or she leaves behind the, the medal. So it's kind of like a, a symbol of they're broken up mm. and that's just his way of dealing with it. We see he's a great runner and everyone is different. I'm sure we've all been through breakups and we've dealt with it in different ways. And, and yeah, I guess first reaction, that's just his – his way of dealing with it and just, you know, getting on with his life and, and you know, exploring America. 100%. I think um, part of the montage as well, before people start to join, um, we get all these awesome different parts of the soundtrack, some cracking songs. Some I remember re-watching bangers. this. Absolute bangers. I don't know what the first one's called, but there's um, – after he's explaining all that stuff about when I hit the ocean, I turned around and went the other way and – then it starts playing the music and the first one, it's just like talking about running away and we see him like running through the mountains and like through like all these fields and stuff and it just looks insane. Yeah. Um, and then people start to join him. What do we think of kind of some of the people that come across on the way? Yeah, I, um, it, you know, when, when he's asked why he's running and he mm-hmm. just goes, I just felt like it and, um, you know, th- and then he says, oh, that day I just felt like running for no particular reason. And building on what Rector said a little bit, just touching on it, um, it he, I think he felt lost without Ginny and he was trying to fill that void. Um, yep. He'd obviously just, yeah, as we said, had that first experience with her or second um, of <laughs> intimacy. And um, anyway, so and he starts running and then obviously gets a national audience. He has um, the TV crews following him and then, yeah, yep. he gets the runners running with him. And I think... He, 
becomes um, a, a symbol of inspiration for others who are sort of potentially searching for um, searching for things themselves. And you know, he doesn't have a purpose for running. So why are the others running with him? But it's more so that thing of like the sheep follows the shepherd, and mm. you know they're just running with him just because he's just doing something. Mm. Um, and I think. Forrest gave others inspiration and then he took inspiration from, like we said, his mum, Baba yep. um, and Ginny. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's it's interesting as well to get those scenes where some of the people who are looking for inspiration are people who, you know, made like the shit happens bumper sticker mm. and like the peace, oh no, the, the, smiley, the face. smiley face t-shirt. Yeah. Um, and like he's influencing history while just doing this mundane thing of running. Which is pretty interesting. There was a bit. There was a mise en scene. If I can drop that in there. <laughs> okay, here we go. Talk English, man. Uh, there's a mise en scene where there's uh, they're in. I think Ginny's in the bed and she's sick and <laughs> um and there's a mug and it's got the smiley face on. Oh no way! Yeah. Ah. No way. So if you go and rewatch that, have a look cool. out for the mise en scene. Leaky mise en scene Easter egg. Do you think that? I mean, in a really high-level way, the shit happens bumper sticker, you could kind of relate that to the whole movie. Shit happens, yep. you know, move on with your life. Shit happens, Definitely. you know, I completely start a new <coughs> path in life and that's kind of what – he doesn't live by that but no. if you tracked his life, it's it's almost what's happening to him. And, you know, mm. Shit happens, carry on, find the next thing to do and, and keep running in a sense. Yeah, well, he's the one who says it and I feel like he's very much like that. Like mm. something bad happens to him. He gets through it and, you know, you don't just give up. Um, yeah, so I think it's very much part of his character. Mm, um, speaking of running across countries, this is completely unrelated to film, but I thought we should use this platform, this little platform that we have to talk about someone in real life doing the same thing in Australia, Ned Brockman, 23-year-old Australian tradie running from Perth to Sydney, to raise a million dollars for homelessness, running over 100 kilometers a day for 40 days. In 2020, he ran 50 marathons in 50 days, raised $250,000. This guy's an absolute legend, an incredible human being, and I just thought that because he's so genuine and he has such a deep care like Forrest Gump mm-hmm. yeah. for others and yeah. for good causes, um, if you don't already know him and if this has any impact at all, please check Ned's record run.com and donate to his cause. Um, I think that what he's doing is incredible. He's, I think, on day two as of the time of recording this, yeah. 2nd of September. And like Forrest Gump, he is Bit running. Inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Shout yeah. out and to inspiring Ned. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Now, they end up getting married, Forrest and Jenny. What do we think of the wedding? I think something for me that really is another scene that really you know hits home is we see Lieutenant Dan again, mm-hmm. first time in a while. He joined Forrest on the shrimping boat. He thanked him, as you mentioned earlier. He was like, look, I never thanked you for saving my life. And he kind of finally, after being pretty washed up and you know on the alcohol and that sort of thing, has that redemption and finds himself again and, and a bit of purpose um, because he thought his purpose was to die on the battlefield. Yep. But now we get him at the wedding and he's a new man. What do we think? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
new and improved. I mean, first thing that I, I noticed, he is, you know, looking good. And then just with the nature of how the movie started, he turns up and he's got new legs. And mm. so I kind of compare that to the start where Forrest has these, I guess, braces, which are fake legs, you could call them, supporting him. And then we have the whole storyline of mm-hmm. Lieutenant Dan losing his legs. It's flipped the other flipped way. the other way. And he thinks, he's, you know, his, his life is restricted <laughs> from not having legs. And he kind of goes through that 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 lull and that, and that you know, dark period. Mm. And here he is. He turns up. He, you know, is, is uh, you know, talking about his new titanium legs and how he's happy in life and all these, you know, opportunities and, and, and these great things. And I think that's a good comparison to make you know from the start of the movie to the end of the movie just with different characters but it's Mm. a pretty interesting one yeah 100 percent. i think as well you think that because he's the one who because he continues with bubba shrimp bubba gum shrimp corporation forrest isn't attached to it anymore or working at least and he's the one who invests in apple for forrest so if you actually think about it as well this guy is a billionaire he's got titanium legs now he's got a fiance susan He's looking, you know, schlick as fuck compared to <laughs> what he was. <laughs> um, new teeth, maybe. Do you have new teeth? Probably new teeth. I think yeah, new teeth. Um, but he's looking good, and you just and they they don't even say too much. It's like, hey, Forrest, like, yeah. Um, not even like a how are you. It's just like, hey, this is my fiance. Um, and they just kind of smile at each other. Mm. And I thought, you know, they've been through it all, like a mm. very traumatic experience with the war. Um, you know. In the eyes of Lieutenant Dan, they had a bit of a falling out because he supposedly ruined his life. Then he's thanking him. So I just thought that scene of like not saying anything like said it all was powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think just adding to that as well, um, what you were saying before about like their un- unlikely mateship, given that you know, Lieutenant Dan had that massive hatred while he was dealing with his own um, his own personal stuff, following not being able to stay on the battlefield. Yeah. And, yeah, to come again full circle, um, they've started up this awesome shrimping company and Forrest meets Susan um, and Lieutenant Dan meets Ginny and mm. it's sort of just like a full circle coming together. And then obviously, yeah, Lieutenant Dan got me invested in some fruit companies. Just like, <laughs> That's uh, pretty funny. What? Yeah. I think just quickly as well, like we've touched on it as well, but it's such a critical part of the movie that Forrest actually kind of is involved or influences these historic events. Like so far we've got... Elvis, Vietnam War, JFK's assassination. We also get the Watergate. Watergate as well. Um, Vietnam yeah, as well. Bubblegum Shrimp Corporation. Black, Black Panthers. Black Panthers, Vietnam War rallies with Abby Hoffman. Apple, that fruit company. Nike. Nike, yeah. And, Fucking heaps. And I was thinking as well, like it's it's quite um, periodically important and, and how it goes through those different um, – different you know decades Mm. um and it makes sort of it almost makes it like a light-hearted approach to it insofar as um you know these the he's just sort of present he like he's there when watergate's happening and that's like Mm. one of the most like uh conflicting and discoveries of of our time Mm. um and it's not it's not about (coughs) the history but the sort of inconspicuously um hasn't he's a nobody and he's just there mm. for these situations. Yeah. No, I think it's really interesting as part of that. Um at this point in the film, Jenny's now living at the farm with Forrest Jr. Um, you know, she's sick with AIDS. 
And, you know, it's great to see them spending time with each other, but she then passes away. And we get the scene where Forrest is at her grave. And I think there was a really powerful quote, which I think sort of sums up the whole movie and we can dive into it. But he says, I don't know if we have destiny or we just float around like in the breeze. Maybe it's both. And I think that kind of talks about, and we we have that sort of idea of the feather, which we can discuss. But I think, you know, towards the end of the movie, we start to get an idea of what you've kind of said, Austin, of like, is he just like floating around these historic events and floating through life? Or do you have a preset path of destiny? So what do you guys think of the ending and also the like meaning of the movie, I guess? There's so much to unpack there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to dump that on you. <laughs> but uh, we've, got to, we've got to address it. No. The elephant in the room. Mm. Yeah, no, we do. Um, you know... <laughs> I'll I'll talk to the feather because I think Jack's got some good points on destiny, mm. the motif of destiny. <laughs> Thanks, Year Twelve English. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, the feather is almost like a cyclical structure in that um, it's sort of a, a yeah, like well, like you say, you need to you need to form your own opinion on whether you've got a preset path in life mm. or whether you float through and you sort of just come through these um, come through these uh, events and situations, but. Sort of a metaphor for Forrest because I, I believe he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have a preset path. He sort of just like um, is there in these situations, like you know, um, obviously you know, in Vietnam or, or when he's at university. What's the? Does anyone know the historical event at the university? I think that it was um, coloured people were allowed. Yeah, in yeah. yeah, and he just finds himself on screen in the yeah. middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of it, and you know whether that's a preset path, I don't know, but. Um, yeah, the feather for me and when it lands at the very end when he's putting his son on the bus, mm. that's a pretty powerful scene and I think it's a, a good summation of the movie, like a good end. 100%. I think because the movie starts on the feather as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, so it does kind of come full circle. Um, but I think that, you know, you can speak to that entire thing of, you know, do you have a destiny or – do you just float through, mm. or is it both? So, what do you think, Jack? It's a um, it's a really tough question. I think. I mean, you get so many moments throughout the movie, which, like Austin touched on, uh, uh, moments of complete randomness. And so, you know, as he goes through life, and he and he's <laughs> talking about what's happening, and he, you know, for example, he ends up in Vietnam, and then he ends up in China, and he ends up doing all these things. Mm. And it, when he's, you know talking to these points and narrating the movie, he's just as if, you know, an assassination happened and he says, oh, some guy got shot for some random reason. I don't know. Yeah. And he's just so oblivious to it all. And it just kind of demonstrates that, you know, complex relationship between destiny and, you know, the the randomness of life, which is, I guess, the mm. difference between fate and destiny. So I think he's completely right when he corrects himself and he says, I think it's a, a balance of both. I think it's yeah. a balance of both being, you know, you're floating like the breeze and then you have a destiny and I like it, that. And it, and it, and it kind of shows cuz you have the lieutenant Dan who is so fixated on there being everyone having a destiny and then he has this, you know, entire religious and spiritual awakening and he's just going with whatever happens and you know the whole hurricane scene and and he's a completely changed man and it just demonstrates that his views have been changed from destiny to fate. 
and then you know his his mum for example who believes you just go with the wind and she kind of stuck by that mm. um but you know particular things happen and so i think it's the balance of both and how they intertwine and kind of that complex relationship 100% and we've talked about it before but maybe Forrest is both and he has these people around him who might be on one side or the other. Can I just add something there and, mm. and correct me if I'm wrong, but when he's standing at the grave talking to Ginny, um, it's it's the first time that he cries in the movie? Yeah. Is that that's right, yeah? He, he okay. kind of tears up he when he discovers the son, but not proper crying. Proper crying, right? And I feel I feel like, you know, when his mum passed away and we were talking about how like direct she was in, in saying her, what's happening with her. And obviously when Baba passed away on the battlefield, like he didn't cry on her, but I feel like when Ginny passed away, you mm. know, he was always searching for her when she wasn't around. Mm. And then him talking to her when he, he knows he can't, he can't speak to her again or, or find her again. Um, that was, that was his moment where his emotions just came out. hundred mm. percent. I think it's it's such a tearjerker and he says, like, I miss you, Jenny. And he says, because he, he's probably not come to terms with it yet, he's like, if there's anything you need, I won't be far away. Yeah. So he's been so dependent on her, whether she's physically there with him or not, and we finally get it all pour out. And he is usually pretty composed and you might say not unemotional but just like, Detached from detached from mm. yeah, I would you know say, how sure. other people would react. So I think that scene is just very powerful because we f- we do finally get that emotion that comes out, and and Tom Hanks kills it, and he won Best Actor, and I feel yeah. like those sort of scenes probably led to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just on the topic of awards as well, it did kind of sweep the awards. It won Best Picture, it won Best Director. Um, best adapted screenplay because it's from a book, um, best visual effects and best film editing. So I thought that was worth mentioning as well. Pretty tough competition too. Very tough competition. So 1994 also had Shawshank Redemption, which is IMDb's (laughs) pretty good film. Yeah, (laughs) considered the best of all time now. Also Pulp Fiction. Oh, wow. Yeah, so very tough year, which actually stirred up a bit of controversy. The other thing as well, which I kind of read up on, was that a, a few, not a lot, a few films were winning awards from characters or like subject matter that revolved around disability. Mm-hmm. So you got Rain Man, oh, yeah. Dustin Hoffman won for playing a character with autism. You got um, Daniel Day-Lewis, My Left Foot, um, another handicapped role so there was kind of thoughts that Forrest Gump was yet another one kind of seeking an award and got it versus say Shawshank and Pulp Fiction yeah right um and with that another thing that people have now started to say is you know he never kills anyone in the war Mm. we don't see him do that Mm -hmm. um he doesn't have PTSD Mm. which a lot of Vietnam soldiers suffered from. Um, He doesn't have any clue why he's in Vietnam. The movie doesn't really talk about the whole controversy. It doesn't even mention the AIDS epidemic. Mm. Mm. She just says, I'm sick. She doesn't actually say that she has AIDS. Some virus. Some virus that they don't know about. Um, So people are now thinking that it was very kind of shallow in how it portrayed these things. 
But at the same time, I guess that's kind of the meaning of the movie. You float through maybe these historic things. So there is a bit of controversy. Yeah. And people have said, members of the Academy um, have said that if they could re-vote, they would have chosen Shawshank. Yeah. So what do you guys think about that? I think for me personally, hindsight is a funny thing. Hindsight yes. can be beneficial at times and sometimes you know decisions are made in the moment yeah and then reflecting on it years down the track of course you know with a wealth of experience you gain over that you know duration between when you made the decision you might think oh i would have made a better decision but at the end of the day what matters is what you decide in the moment and mm. due to emotions and and different factors that played into it i think they you know obviously they're all great films and and, you know, the competition was fantastic. But in the moment and when you're watching the movie, obviously it's different now, but even today you're still, you know, realising the lessons learned and, and the yep. experiences and, and you're really emotionally attached to the movie. And I think, you know, what's what's done is done and, uh, you know, I I stick by it. Great film. 100%. Yeah, and, and I'll just be brief on this one. I think I'm not going to talk from the perspective of, of the Academy voters, mm-hmm. you know, at the time because – completely different to where we are at now and completely yeah. different to where they were in 2015. Um, I would say that they didn't, you know, dive down into the into the AIDS situation or like talk about the PTSD um, and, and, you know, the, and the real the real Vietnam because it's a lighthearted movie. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you dive into the weeds like that, then you're just opening up an, an, a lot of other can of worms and they, and, and Forrest Gump is, you know, like that that guy that's just floating around. They don't want to create too much controversy, mm. so it's it's difficult. And I agree with Jack. <clears throat> Hindsight's an amazing thing. Yeah. Do you, do you almost think that, like, even if they tried to weave it into the movie, the character that Forrest is, you know, concepts of PTSD and concepts of you know an AIDS epidemic, it, you know, as bad as it sounds, but it just wouldn't bother him because they're not things that you know he would just. He's a very simple man. He lives a simple life and he thinks Wouldn't be aware you know, of- his best mate died and he's, you know what, I'm just going to you know, transform my life to fulfill my best mate's goal. And that's kind of his view and he, he keeps things at a very high level and he just does what, you know, what's in front of him. And I think when you, if you tried to introduce the idea of something like PTSD, it just wouldn't be received mm. well from a character like Forrest. 100%. I think as well, if you think about it, all of the historic things that happened, we talked about like Elvis, Vietnam, all these assassination attempts or proper things, Watergate, each of them has actually been made into its own movie or several. Yeah. Even the story of Apple, like how many times has that been portrayed on screen? So yeah, yeah. as well, if we did dive into the weeds of each of these things, it You're wouldn't have at worked. a five-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, at least. At least, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it is interesting that it has controversy. But nonetheless, it's an insane movie and we all – have been speaking of it so highly, yeah. I guess just to kind of turn it the other way, devil's advocate, I had a few questions rewatching this. First one, start of the movie, he says that he's named Forrest after his, uh, one of his descendants who was part of the KKK. <laughs> and that just gets completely swept under, swept under the rug. Like, yeah. <laughs> what did you guys think of that? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't pay too much attention to it because I thought it was just too controversial. I was just like, yeah. why? Why? Yeah, because yeah. he's just the complete opposite. Opposite. Yeah. Maybe that's probably why. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of plays into who he is, you know. It's just like obviously these 
you know, these terrible links between why he was, you know, the person he was named after yet he's just this harmless guy who is so open to, um, mm. African-Americans and, yeah. and like he's so yeah, welcoming. quality. And yeah. it's just yeah. like it, it, it's almost it's almost included as a laughing point because of the guy he is. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, another question, which I'm not hating on. I actually don't mind. Um, but I heard from a podcast. So Tom Hanks plays Forrest from the age of 18 to probably 40-ish, I'm going to say, or late, young, late 30s. Younger than 18? Well, because he's running away from the bullies. Was he 18 then? We just been in high school, high school, oh, really? university. Yes, yeah, do. um, doesn't age at all. <laughs> what do we think? Except when he oh, runs. Oh, sorry, sorry, Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he runs and he grows the beard, he looks like. Sorry, he, yes, he does age then. He looks do we like know if that was a real beard? No, definitely not. He's got like <laughs> his hair's like one meter long. Oh, they, could, they, they could have filmed that first and then shaved everything off. After Castaway, oh, yeah, <laughs> straight. In. I don't Those know. Castaway films. Prior to that, I don't know. I think Castaway was Early the year before. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He had a serious it's a good take, few years. But uh, Castaway, he did grow out the beard and the hair. Two, Castaway 2000. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. So th- this would have been perhaps probably oh, after. Tom Hanks's like big breakout. Yeah, yeah. He, I think it was. He was the kind of golden child of cinema at the time. Yeah, wow. Yeah, one back-to-back best actor. Yep, Philadelphia. Some serious crackers. Um, Castaway, also same director, Robert Zemeckis, I'm fairly sure, as nice. Forrest Gump. Nice. Wilson! <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, another question. Uh, we talked about this before, but, and I, I know he's maybe not the smartest uh, tool in the shed, but. Um, smartest tool in the shed? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Sharpest? Sharpest. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I've a Forrest Gump moment. Um, Yeah, we know he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but uh, the start of the movie, he's sitting at a bus stop. It's probably in the morning. Uh, He doesn't know how to read a map because Jenny's apartment was six blocks away. He's just sitting there for like 12 hours talking to all these randoms. Eating chocolate. <laughs> eating eating her chocolates that he's going to give to her. What Like, it seems, I guess it's part of his character, but it seems ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. When when the lady at the end is sort of like, oh, it's only six blocks away. <laughs> yeah. You're just sitting there going, wait, what? Mm. What happened there? <laughs> yeah. I guess they needed a way to turn it from him telling stories to the present. But yeah, and it's a good way to set the scene for him to be able to tell the story. And I think back then, you know, there's no phones, there's no maps, there's nothing. And he's like, really, what's he going to do? And he's sitting there and, um, yeah, yeah. we don't know the actual duration of time. It's clearly a few hours, but it's what he is. He just chats to people and that's how he, you know, decides where his life goes. He's just yeah. an authentic bloke. I've got a, um, I've got an interesting quote, which I didn't know if there was meaning to or if it was just, you know, a funny, um, funny quote and it was when Forrest was they were you know kind of on that path in Vietnam and they were having to separate the parts and he was talking about how the finest American men are are in the army with him Mm. and he would go on to to highlight a couple individuals and he said this is uh Dallas and he's from Phoenix (laughs) and this is Cleveland and he's from Detroit and this is Tex I don't know where he's from (laughs) like is there any meaning behind a Guy being named a state and then being from another state, or that's just trying to be funny. It was, try- I think, it was trying to be funny, like, yeah. like just showing how Forrest maybe 
again, isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. Mm. There's a guy called Tex. Clearly has to be from Texas. Yeah. On the theme of nicknames. Yeah, true. Probably right. <laughs> no, there was a couple golden quotes, I reckon. Um, even Bubba, who we, you know, haven't touched on in depth, but was, was a, a short duration in the movie, but a yeah. very influential character in the movie and something that was quite funny. You know, he obviously had that pronounced like bottom jaw and then pronounced lip and yep. he turns up to meet Lieutenant Dan and the first thing he says is, what's wrong with that lip, son? <laughs> and he goes, I don't know what his response was. He was just- He's born with it. He's born with it and he goes, you better tuck that gum in, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Pretty funny. I don't like just little pieces like that. And he's just an iconic character who unfortunately didn't last too long in the movie, but he yeah. really was, um, at the end of the day, half of Bubba Gump Shrimp Corporation. Yeah. 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 I think little, you know, humorous parts like that do kind of break up the movie as well. Yeah. Because it could have been a darker thing with everything going on, but great quote. Mm. Touching on uh, Lieutenant Dan again, I think it's um, it's pretty funny when uh, Lieutenant Dan – you know, makes his way down to Louisiana. Is that where yeah. the shrimping company was? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's in Louisiana. And, you know, it's sort of like a lieutenant, you can tell he's he's coming down and he's like, if you ever start shrimp company, I'll make it down. And he makes a journey down. And, um, you know, Boris goes, or he goes, I'm here to test out my sea legs. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes back and he goes, but you don't have any legs. <laughs> and I was just, uh, and then he obviously jumps off the boat to swim to get him. And we see the boat crashing into the <laughs> yeah. mooring. How does like, it come back, man? <laughs> it's like, wait, what happened there? <laughs> yeah. I think scenes like that are just very silly. And it's like, Forrest just has no clue what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think a big quote that we haven't, I don't know if we've touched on it yet, but it's a big quote in the movie is the one that is stupid is as stupid does. And he sa- he says it a lot, and I don't know if his mum said that or he just eventually came out with it, but um, but I guess there's you know all sorts of different meanings behind that. But it's you know s- someone is only as intelligent as intelligent as their actions, and you know bye bye. It just uh, Forrest rather just makes these rash decisions, and he you know he's at the skip of a heartbeat, and he'll jump off a boat or he'll do this and do that, and it just speaks to kind of the guy he is, and mm. I think that's a really um critical quote throughout the movie. Hundred yeah, percent, nice. What the I, I I'm gonna get it wrong with the quote when he runs in the in the NFL game and the coach is like, God, he's got to be the stupidest person alive, <laughs> but by God, he could run. Yeah, uh, so and he runs that. into what the band, the band, the band. band. <laughs> and then and then they end up forming a blockade, so he can't get through. Yeah. It's pretty funny. That was actually a, a point I noticed. Up until <laughs> the. You know, that whole start of the movie, he was just told to run and we never saw him actually stop running on his own. Mm. Yeah. The first moment in the movie where I saw him stop running and think to himself, why am I running, was when he had escaped the kind of the the bombs and, and all that uh, gunfire in the war and then there's the narration he thought, hold on, where's Bubba? Mm. Yeah. And he stopped and you see him stop in the middle and he thinks <sighs> and then he turns around and runs back in the other direction and that's a – a big turning point because you know, he's just told to run and he doesn't stop running and there's, you know, bands stopping and there's all these people stopping him and this is the first time he stopped himself and thought, I've got to turn around and and go save my best friend. Mm. Yeah. Maybe on that because he ends up finding all these other people before Bubba, mm. which maybe not causes but he could have saved Bubba first, let's say. Mm. Maybe that's a kind of penalty of him never stopping running on his own until this point mm. 
because then later he does start to stop on his own accord and he learns that you can't just run away. You have to face face what's what's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. No. Yeah, it's very different. I don't know. <laughs> Couple takes there. <laughs> um Actually, there was there's two two things I want to touch on as we um near conclusion. One <laughs> was a funny quote, um, which is pretty relatable, and it was when he was in hospital and someone told him, "What's your injury?" And he said, oh, "I got a bullet in the buttocks. Uh, it's a the army calls it a million dollar wound, and I haven't seen a nickel." And so there's just guys and they're joking about, <laughs> and he's lying there and he's got a patch on his ass and he's you know licking the ice cream or whatever, and it's all you know a, a friendly yeah. a friendly joke, and he sits across from Lieutenant Dan, who's obviously lost his legs and. And he just manages to find a way to to keep everything as if it's not like he doesn't take anything for its actual meaning. It's just yeah. like whatever happens, happens, and it's his interpretation. And that's what he goes with it, and it's um, it's pretty funny uh, in my opinion. <laughs> you have a weird sense of humor, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah nice. Um, uh, but yeah, I just wanted one last thing to get your thoughts, both of you. Um, okay. hoping he, each of you could speak from experience to this point. Um, <laughs> oh God. This will be good. <laughs> um, it was Forrest's first. Um, he goes to see <sighs> Jenny in uh, her university or a college, wherever she is, and and she is, you know, stripping down. At this point, they're best friends. She's, uh, you know, getting undressed, and um, unbeknown to us, she's got a roommate in a dorm kind of setup. But she sits on the bed with him, and she's in this kind of white lingerie against again touching on that white angelic look which she kind of maintains through the whole movie and you know she is sitting there with Forrest and he kind of scans her as you would naturally do and and they've never had a a, a physical relationship to this point it's always yeah. been a, a friendship you'd call it and um I guess you could say this is this was Forrest's first sexual interaction yes <laughs> and um you know he had a, a probably a very common uh, response and uh, uh, something unfolded. I was hoping you two could touch on what, what, <laughs> what, what, what that's like and, what, <laughs> and, and, and kind of uh, and kind of any advice for the audience on how to you know to if you wanted to avoid something like that happening. Oh man, yeah. So Forrest he touches her breast because she took, takes off her bra. And he ejaculates immediately. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. He just immediate ejaculation. Um, so I think maybe Austin's probably the, the guy to speak to there. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, look, I just want to firstly shout out, I feel so sorry for the roommate. Because she's just, oh, my oh God. man, we see, we see that pan over and she's yeah, sitting she's there, like, oh, scarred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not I, a funny take. I, I just want to do a comms check on her. How's she going? <laughs> she, is, she actually, is, she, is she actually okay? Oh, what's oh, happening? I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. Look, um, <coughs> Forrest um, gets just a bit too excited, and I think um, you know, uh, shit happens. And, shit does happen. And, yeah. Um, fair play to him. <laughs> But yeah, not much to say on that. Jack, actually, given that you've raised the question, I'd like to throw it back to you. What's your takes on it? Yeah, I mean, um, from the outset, he, you know, the moment he saw her on the bus was a look of true love. Mm. And I think the underlying theme of the movie is is a love story and it's someone who is driven by love, whether that's for his mum or for his friends or for his captain or for his eventual wife. He's driven by love to to do all these extraordinary things 
which to him don't seem extraordinary. It's just what's natural to him. And I think, you know, what better way to display a, 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 a showing of love than to be physically attracted to them and some things are natural to men and and, <clears throat> and that and that might happen. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure it seemed like when that scene when they made love where the children- Is this guy actually still going? <laughs> <laughs> where, 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 where Forrest Jr. was created, it seemed like he had improved his performance because <laughs> based on I don't know what, but um, but yeah, it was, you know, well, yeah, no. thanks, mate. Anyway, ba- battery's running low. <laughs> so that is a wrap for Forrest Gump. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates, a podcast for a bunch of mates chat about cinema over some drinks. Huge thank you to Austin and Jack for coming on the podcast. It's great chatting with you. Yeah, that was, thanks. That was a lot of fun. No worries. Welcome back anytime. As always, please let us know what you want to hear about in future episodes. And if you want to send in a mailbag or do an elevator pitch to me. Send us a DM on Instagram or TikTok at cinemas underscore. Otherwise, we'll catch you for the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates. Make sure to follow us and leave a review on your chosen streaming platforms. Also, check out our Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube channel for more Cinemates content. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge Australia's First Nations people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land and pay respect to the Camaragal people of the Eora Nation upon whose country Cinemaze is based. We honour the storytelling and culture of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities across Australia. Also, in the spirit of chatting with mates, remember it's always important to check in with those around you. Whether it's friends, family or colleagues, sometimes they may be going through a hard time chatting with them may reassure them that they aren't alone. If you or anyone you know is ever struggling, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.